Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. It is October 21st, 2018, 9.30 p.m. It's a Sunday of school tomorrow. There are a million things I should be working on that I have not been working on. Um, the world is falling apart, and I'm angry. Do I sound angry right now? I don't sound angry. It's because I'm moderating the tone of my voice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. This is episode 32 or 33. I think it is 32. I'm not sure. Um, This wasn't the episode that I was going to do. I actually had an interview with uh, Molly.Noise that uh, is going to be supposed to be this week. But uh, I guess I'm pushing it till later. I might just publish this the, that interview uh, next week as opposed to two weeks from now, just for reasons. But um, lots of things have been going on, and I want to weigh in while I'm angry and not wait. Because there were a couple of things that have happened. Like There, there were some events that happened over the summer that I really wanted to weigh, weigh in on, but just because of the bi-weekly thing, I kind of just missed the boat and by the time I wanted to weigh in everything that needed to be said had already been said or whatever anyway so I'm currently drinking beer it is um golden one ale which I didn't uh I was talking to a friend last night while drinking and sort of realized like oh but it's not like that golden one like not the not the Swedish golden one it's not like a Nazi thing it just happens to have a white-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed beauty on the can. It's an Oklahoma brewery. Uh, But they have another one that's called Ouroboros Stout, and that one's really good. And this is a good beer, too. I won't judge a beer by its can. I'll just judge it by its actions. And uh, so far, it hasn't killed me or made me a Nazi. So I don't know if this episode is going to be long or short. Um, I'm probably going to have to zip away momentarily because I have to go eat a baked potato or pull a baked potato out of my oven. And um, got a couple of uh, uh, listener questions slash responses at the email that I'm going to get to. But first, I'm just going to rant about a thing and we'll see how long this takes. So buckle in for uh, Sarah's opinion corner. Donald fucking Trump's fascist. There's an opinion. There's an opinion for you. His entire fucking administration's a bunch of fascists and liars and opportunists. And our president is a symptom, not a cause. We get him out of office. Nothing changes. Things maybe, for lucky, go back to the way they were, which was in a state of rapid decay where we were just pretending that nothing was wrong. Um, Now we all know that everything is wrong and we're still not really doing anything about it. It's all great. I love it. It's fantastic. I love living in America right now. So what's going on in the world of the American government today? Well, there's a piece over at New York Times that is titled uh, uh, Transgender Could Be Defined Out of Existence Under the Trump Administration. So this is um, uh, the New York Times got a hold of a memo, an internal memo from the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, basically, so... Uh, I'm just going to read some excerpts from this uh, uh, this piece at the beginning. 
Trump administration is considering narrowly defining gender as a biological immutable condition determined by genitalia at birth, the most drastic move yet in a government-wide effort to roll back recognition and protections of transgender people under federal civil rights law. A series of decisions by the Obama administration loosened the legal concept of gender in federal programs, including in education and healthcare, recognizing gender largely as an individual's choice and not determined by the sex assigned at birth. Uh, of course, this was very controversial. That's me, you know, summarizing this next couple of sentences. Uh, now, the Department of Health and Human Services is spearheading an effort to establish a legal definition of sex under Title IX, the federal civil rights law that bans gender discrimination in education programs that receive government financial assistance. The department argued in its memo that key government agencies needed to adopt an explicit and uniform definition of gender as determined, quote-unquote, on a biological basis that is clear grounded in science, objective, and administrable. The agency's proposed definition would define sex as either male or female, unchangeable, and determined by the genitals that a person is born with, uh, according to a draft reviewed by the Times. Uh, any dispute about one's sex would have to be clarified using genetic testing. So, if you don't see the red flags here, uh, I guess you're colorblind because this is just one large flag that is made up of many, many, many tinier flags. Um, and I'm just going to go through some of them, the ones that I see through my, the, my, uh, my beer goggles at the moment. Um, the first one is just generally how, uh, I imagine that, uh, cis people, might react to this uh, this potential law change. You know, for, for a person who has never met a trans person, to their knowledge at least, uh, or has never otherwise had occasion to consider the, 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 the transgender condition in any realistic sense, this might seem like common sense, you know? Oh, it's gender. It's, you know, there's men and women and that's, that's that, you know? It, so it's, it's a little weird that they might think it's weirder that it wasn't codified before. And, um, you know, they'll hear people like me making a fuss about it and they'll think, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's not that big a deal. I mean, uh, you're probably, you're probably blowing it out of proportion. And of course there's a whole contingent of people alive in the world today who, uh, encounter any sort of protest and think, "Ugh, you people are being too loud about fascism. This is why I'm becoming a fascist." <laughs> so uh, there's there's that. I can I can easily imagine somebody just saying, like, "What's well? What's the big deal, though?" I mean, but there, but 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 there are just men and women, right? Well, no. So the first the first thing, of course, is the uh, biological basis that is clear, grounded in science, objective and administrable. There's so many things wrong with that. And that's that's in quotes. That's from their memo. The thing is that there are uh, several dozen intersex conditions and uh, chromosomal abnormalities where one can have uh, the, basically just all sorts of uh, uh, constellations of uh, genetic uh, dispositions or just chromosomal al alignments that can affect one's biological sex as we perceive it. There are people who are born with um, um, all kinds of different <laughs> permutations, let's say, of uh, the, the sort of stock human genitalia. And how what, what, this doesn't take them into account. Um, 
It also doesn't take into account like non-binary people, but why would it? Uh, that's not a surprise. But and that's not me digging at non-binary people. That's saying like this. This is very clearly a partisan thing that they're trying to do that is not thought out at all. Because they're they're when they say you know grounded in science on a biological basis, what they mean is uh, grade school biology, like the kind they were taught in 1963 uh, when they were in high school, <laughs> and uh, it was just you know there's there is penis and there is vagine. And they shall smash together like hot dogs in hot dog buns. And that is that is sex. And it's only in the missionary position. And anything else is not God's way. <sighs> it's a good time to be alive right now. Thing is, you ask basically any actual biologist, they will tell you that the idea of a binary gender system is a human invention. And that even other species in nature that have similar uh uh gender distribution to us with with two it's like or with with male and female quote unquote there's still just as many uh variations and and uh, uh it's 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 not it's not a pure binary there are lots of different things that happen all over the place it's the bell curve of course um but the vast majority of life on this planet is not binary there are all kinds of creatures that reproduce in multitudes of ways and present gender there there there's what like there's like a species of flatworm that has so like hundreds of different genders um and and it would be easy to say like well that's not relevant and yeah it's kind of like a gotcha thing where you're saying like oh well but 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 there's you know gender and the in the animal kingdom is different but it's important to remember because when we're talking about a uh, 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 biological basis grounded in science that it's 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 still picking and choosing this this wording is very carefully objective in its in its uh position it's trying to be objective and it even says grounded in science objective and administrable uh the thing is that there's no objectivity uh, the entire theme of this podcast has been that objectivity is a lie and that the whole process is infuriatingly subjective. Uh, and that's just sort of a fact of human existence. The idea that there can be a codified gender binary that is uh, on a bio- determined on a biological basis that is clear, grounded in science, objective, and administrable um, is laughable because a good law is something that, uh, well, when I say when I say a good law, what I mean is uh, a law that is um, uh, uh, easy to understand and easy to administer, um, not necessarily morally good. But a good law is one where you're not sort of overwhelmed by marginalia. Uh, you're not sort of like stuck with all of these questions of fringe cases. And there's always fringe cases with any law. That's sort of what the Supreme Court is about. But this this definition doesn't take into consideration any of these fringe cases, and 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 besides the fact we'll get we'll get into application in a moment. But um, with this definition, um, of course, you know it's they're saying explicitly, you know, you, you, your your sex is either male or female. It's unchangeable, and it's determined by the genitals that you were born with. So. 
somebody who has been on feminizing hormones for three, four, five, six years, uh, who has had uh, sex reassignment surgery, who has undergone facial feminization surgery, uh, who has had their biological name changed and their or not not their bio, who's had their name changed and had their birth certificate uh, changed to their preferred um, uh, gender to where nobody even knows that they're trans. They just assume that they're a cisgender woman. Um, this person is suddenly in the eyes of the law, a man, despite every having legally gone through the process of uh, changing that. And that's ludicrous on its face. But this is the other thing though, is that this person this hypothetical person can still exist just fine. And they would probably never deal with any, they would probably not have to deal with any of the repercussions of uh, this, this new um, regulation, this law uh, because, you know, they pass and everybody sees them as the gender that they prefer um, because this thing is selective. It's about what is visibly different Um so even though this person is trans, this is where it would get into an issue. Um, if this person who is trans but passes and nobody knows um, the difference, if they got into a sexual harassment thing like at work and they brought it up with HR, um, if that went anywhere legally, suddenly it comes up, oh, but you're, you're uh, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, that you've lived the majority of your life as a woman, you're, you're the, the gender you were assigned at birth is male, which means you are not entitled to the same prote- protections. It again, it ignores the marginal cases. It ignores, you know, it ignores non-binary people. It ignores intersex people. It ignores people who are way at the far end of the transition process. Um, and it's just targeting new trans people. And that's the point. It's an optics game. The idea is to unperson trans people, to codify in law, uh, there's man and there's woman, and nothing lies betwixt. So that it's debatable what things could happen legally. I can picture a number of things that could go very, 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 very wrong, but it's debatable. But this thing just existing is ammunition for quite a few people out in the real world, you know, transphobes who uh, are looking for basically any excuse that they can get their hands on to um, discriminate and hate trans people. And that's kind of where we are. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's already bad, but but it, it's a signal, right? That your identity is not valid and now you are not protected in, in school, at work, um, you know, you can still be trans, you can still attempt to transition, but it's not legally recognized. And that is intimidating. That's frightening because I was talking to my uncle about this. Um, there's these, um, the statistics that, you know, the suicide rate is so much higher in the trans community and in the queer community in general than it is in the regular population. And I pointed out to him that the suicide rates drop once somebody starts transitioning or comes out and is accepted in their environment or like moves somewhere where they are accepted. And he didn't realize this. He didn't know this. 
And that's the thing is that it's not, the condition itself is not inherently a risk factor. The risk factor is the society in which one lives as a queer person. And we've made tremendous strides towards accepting acceptance of trans people, but this would be a gigantic step backward. And you have all of these young people who are thinking about transitioning. Uh, And of course, you know, the number of trans people has skyrocketed because our social definition of what a trans person can be has expanded exponentially. Um, And and that's good. That's very part of why I've come out. Um, But you do this and suddenly it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's legally saying, oh, you're not trans. Um, and it's, it's, it's further back than, than kind of where we already are, where you have to prove that you're not a crazy person. <clears throat> it's, it's awful. And I'm not a legal expert. Um, I can't speak to a lot of the practical applications of, of this. I have to defer to, the many, many, many legal experts out there who are decrying this. And I recommend that you go read this piece and uh, 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 do some of your own research. So, yes, there's this bit. Uh, Sex means a person's status as male or female based on immutable biological traits identifiable by or before birth. The sex listed on a person's birth certificate as originally issued shall constitute definitive proof of a person's sex unless rebutted by reliable genetic evidence. So, of course, in the case of a dispute where there's no um, uh, paper trail and no physical manifestation of difference, then uh, then we turn to the blood test. And I don't think I need to belabor the point that this is alarmingly eugenics adjacent, because, of course, uh, the blood test is the tool of somebody who wants to find a way to justify their racism without calling it racism. Um, the thing is, again, that, I mean, this is so stupid. This is so transparently ridiculous. How are, how are genetics relevant to politics? How is my genetic sex, whatever, relevant to whether or not a person harasses me at work or at school based on how I dress, essentially. It's irrelevant. It's, it, it's, it, all this is saying is if you don't dress a certain way, if you don't present a certain way, you're the one who is at fault. And it even <laughs> explicitly says that uh, the department has said it will continue to open cases where transgender students face discrimination, bullying, and harassment and investigate gender-based harassment as, quote-unquote, unwelcome conduct based on a student's sex or, quote-unquote, harassing conduct based on a student's failure to conform to sex stereotypes. So they're basically saying, no, 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 we'll still investigate claims of harassment against transgender people. But we're doing this from the frame of mind of transgender people, first of all, legally don't exist. You're either male or female. So that's a nonsense term at this point. But a person who thinks they're transgender, like me and my degenerate ass, we are failing to conform to sex stereotypes 
I don't even. I mean, if if you wrote this in a book, and this is like the, this is the the story of this administration. If you wrote this in a book, you, you would get turned away day one. Like this is garbage. Uh, nobody will believe that this is real. You know, I make the observation that it's like, oh, it's basically like subtextually, it's just saying uh, the only effective thing that this is policing is how you dress. And it's basically just saying uh, dress like a cisgender person. Don't make anybody uncomfortable. Don't make us change our language. It's you. Uh, we we're basically saying like you are not legally protected for uh, your freedom of expression um, uh, or your your right to bodily autonomy. Um, we know better than you the things that you want for yourself, which is something that like the you'd think that the 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 conservatives would be all for, right? You know, the freedom to self determine. You know, it's it's almost like they're a bunch of fucking hypocrites. But I make that observation, right? And I'm thinking like, ah, oh, you know, there 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 you go. There's sort of the impli- the the uh, the implication of this uh, decision. And then they just say it. They just say it. They just straight up say it. They just say it. Harassing conduct based on a student's failure to conform to sex stereotypes. Framing your existence as a failure. Just straight up. I can't. This. Oh, my God. And then there's this other key bit here. Uh, For the last year, the Department of Health and Human Services has privately argued that the term sex was never meant to include gender identity or even homosexuality, and that the lack of clarity allowed the Obama administration to wrongfully extend civil rights protections to people who should not have them. You definitely know you're on the right side of history when you're complaining that people have too many civil rights. It's cartoonish. It's astounding. There's so much that I want to say, and I can't figure out how to say it, except that, yeah, it's a tough day. It's a tough day to be a transgender person. And like, there's just been this, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I have been anxious about shit like this happening uh, basically since about a year ago when my, my, uh, or a little over a year ago when my nascent transgender brain awoke in its consciousness of its transgenderness. And, um, you know, seeing the trajectory of this country in this year of our God, 2018 AD, uh, all of the things that are happening, it's like, uh, once, once the, once they get tired of the immigration thing, they're going to turn to the next obvious bad guy and it's going to be transgender people. And here we are. This is how it always goes. Um, it's frightening and i know right now like this is just you know oh it's it's just this it's just this it's just change it's just codifying the gender binary it's not that big of a deal maybe that's arguably true in a short-term sense but it is legal justification for much much worse it's the beginning of a much worse policy and that's the issue um and this is the thing that I worry about what happens if so they, they, they get this through They they codify the gender binary and then the Mueller investigation comes in and let's say, you know, best case scenario, 
um, president is impeached. He chooses to step down. Um, you know, all of the dream scenarios come true and we'll throw an extra thing on top of there that somehow Mike Pence doesn't become president. Um, what if the next person doesn't lobby to change that? That wouldn't be the first time this kind of thing has happened. And that's sort of like, it's easy to be like, well, this is just a distraction, you know? It's 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 a it's a big loud thing that they're throwing in your face to get get your mind off of like the um, uh, the, the the assassination in the, the the Saudi consulate or any number of other things and like yeah maybe but it's still legal precedent if it's something that becomes law it still affects people it's like it's not a distraction if it's real. And it's important, like saying it's a distraction is basically saying like your concerns are invalid. It's like this isn't as, as important as this thing. Like, it, it's, it's all important. All of it, all of it is important. And it's frustrating when people try to be like, well, no, 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 you, you're, you're buying into, you're taking the bait. Um, and it's like, yeah, of course I'm taking the bait. The bait is uh, if, if you don't take the bait, you're agreeing that your rights as a person, as a transgender person, are invalidated. Yeah, of course I'm taking that bait. Because if I, because, because, because whether or not it's bait, again, that doesn't change the fact that this is a thing that will affect people. Like it's not a, it's not a subterfuge. It's not a smokescreen. If, if, if the, uh, um, if, if the DHS puts this through and that becomes codified, that affects people. That affects me. That affects my ability to um, get treatment in the future, something that I'm already worried about uh, just monetarily. That affects my ability to um, change my name, my birth certificate. Um, affects all kinds of things, frankly. And it's an issue. It's, 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 <sighs> I don't know. I think I've just about talked myself out. I thought I had a lot more to say, but I guess I don't. I'm just tired. I'm tired of these people. All I want to do is just not feel like shit all the time. Not even like, you know, I want to feel amazing every single day. I just want to not feel like shit most of the time. You know, it would be nice. It'd be nice to not always feel like shit. One of the things that I'm doing to change that is I'm um, taking feminizing hormones, doing laser hair removal on my face. I'm dressing in more uh, f female clothes. I've changed my name, not legally yet. Um, how does that affect other people? What does that do? All that does is, like, if you meet me and you knew my name before, it's like you have to go through the mental process of, like, oh, sorry, I mean, yeah, no, she, her, Sarah. Um, I mean, if somebody, if your kid said, like, don't call me Douglas anymore, call me Doug. So you're like, no, you were born Douglas, fuck you. If you go by Doug, I'm going to kick you out of my fucking house. 
It's stupid. It's it's so what's at stake is an idea of like gender norms and there's there's more at the heart of it that I am just incapable of verbalizing at the time to- at the moment because it's not just straight bigotry. It is just bigotry, but it's motivated by more than that. Like nobody's sitting out to be like, I am a bigot and I am going to be a bigot. That's not how this works. But I don't know. I'll I'll I guess I'm gonna take a break here and I'll be back. Um I guess I gotta eat this baked potato and I might be recording this next bit um on another day, maybe with a little bit more energy. And um We'll be doing reader questions, or listener questions. Um, so that'll be nice. But I just want to say to all of you who are like me, dispirited, that um, the world is not ending, and we're still here. Uh, this is a thing that gets lost. You know, there's the the big study that says we have to rapidly reverse all of the climate change. contributing factors to climate change the next 20 years or we're going to be facing um, irreversible climate side effects. Uh, And that's horrifying. But what's really frustrating about that news is it has been consistently framed as basically the world is ending. And it's not. The world's going to keep going. If we don't change anything, yeah, we're going to be facing irreversible side effects. But we're still going to be here. We're still going to be alive. And we're going to continue to be alive for the foreseeable future. It's not going to be like, oh, well, we passed the deadline. Climate change has happened. And now the apocalypse is here. It's going to be a slow decay. It's going to be painful. It's, it's, it's a process that, that, that happens over time. And the thing is, we should not be nihilistic about it. It's not a done deal. It's not said. Even if we haven't done anything in 20 years, we can do something in 20 years and still mitigate the worst of it. It's never too, too late to do something. And there's always a future. Like The world isn't going anywhere, barring some sort of wild astronomical event, which is like the least of our problems. If, if there was some sort of astrological event you know, th- then pff, there's nothing we can do about that anyway. But, but, but the earth isn't going anywhere. Our species isn't going anywhere. Biological life isn't going anywhere. It's changing. It's rapidly changing and it's our fault. Um, but it's not too often. Uh, it's framed as, you know, the environment is being destroyed and it is in, in a sense, it's the, the way that we see it, the way that we've known it is, is being destroyed, but it's a system and it's a system that's constantly changing and it was always changing and it's always going to be changing and we're influencing it in a way that's making it inhospitable for us increasingly and for everything else on this earth which makes it even more inhospitable for us we have to see ourselves as stewards of the planet we have to see ourselves as part of a system and not just like you know divorced of the whole thing And so when it comes to this, transgender people have always existed. We will always exist. No amount of law will change that. And we have to think about the bigger picture, you know. So call your representatives, get mad, go out and fucking vote. 
I get it. If you're one of those anarchists, you know, the system sucks. I agree. The system sucks. It's not going to change if you don't do anything. And I get there's a whole I know there's all these arguments like that, 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 you know, electing Democratic candidates, whatever. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get that the system is entrenched and that it's impossible to change and that the whole thing is fucking frustrating and that it's easy to just want to like wipe your hands clean or say we need violent revolution or fucking whatever. I get it. I agree. But the people in charge still affect millions of people's lives. When you don't vote, yeah, we still have wars. We still do drone warfare. We still fucking do all kinds of horrible things all over the world. But there's bad and there's worse. And we live in a world, unfortunately, where we have to choose between bad and worse. And when you don't choose, you're choosing worse. And, and, and you know, if, you, if you're out here in your own little enclave and you're helping your community and you're supporting people directly, uh, if you're in your own little Black Panther movement, fantastic. We should all be doing that. But that's not everybody. And even still, even in that situation... You should still be voting because it doesn't it doesn't change if if, if you feel, if you feel like it's pointless you might as well if it it, it doesn't affect you but 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 the, but the results of it do I mean do you think that do you, obviously you have the right to do whatever you choose I'm not saying you don't but it's. We're facing bad and worse, and it can get a whole, whole, whole lot worse. And there are people of us who are in a marginalized position, and I'm barely in a marginalized position, who have been screaming about this for a while now. Here are the signs. Here are the red flags. And people saying, like, well, it's bad, but it could be worse. Or, well, at least he's laid bare the worst of the system, and you know now things are whatever. But you're not listening. You're not seeing like this can be this is preventable. And we've seen this before. We know the stance. We know where it goes. And it's not that far away. And it's not as impossible as we'd like it to think. Like we countries have degenerated into like from relatively stable democracies to uh, uh genocidal dictatorships in our century. And you know, a lot of those were our fault, but it's not impossible. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. And when somebody brings it up as like, hey, this looks a lot like when this happened in the past, you shouldn't say, well, that can't happen here. Even if, even if it's unlikely, you should still think, hmm, maybe there's a reason why this person is pointing that out. You know, it probably can't happen here, but you can never be too careful, huh? Can you? Right? If you're if you're thinking about genocide, you can never be too careful when it comes to avoiding it, right? Like if there's even a possibility if somebody's bringing it up, maybe it's worth the moment it'll take to do the investigation. Be like, oh hey, maybe we should make sure that this doesn't happen. Because it can happen. It has happened. It'll happen again. Hopefully it won't happen here, but it could. And we have to do everything in our power to make sure it doesn't. And this shit is how it starts. So, vote. Do something. Do something. Help your community. Help your friends. Be public. 
don't disappear. Don't let them disappear you. All right, and I'm back. Hello, welcome. It is now October 23rd. I've had some time to chill a bit. Um, It didn't work. I'm still fucking terrified and messed up in the brain. But that's okay, because we got some reader, listener. I keep saying reader. It just sounds better. Reader question sounds better than listener questions. Um, You know what? Maybe that's going to be my thing. Maybe I'm going to start saying reader, even though nobody reads podcasts. Although, I guess you could look at it in like the literary criticism sense of like, you know, I read movies because you're examining them as a as an art form. Is this podcast art? Let me know in the comments. Readers. <laughs> uh, we have an in-joke now. As usual, you can send your thoughts, comments, questions, etc., stories, etc., etc., <laughs> to uh, transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com or on CuriousCat at curiouscat.me slash HMSNoFun. Before I get to these, I just want to say really quick that I have gotten a couple of emails from people, and um, I can see like, these are these are older email addresses, and uh, they use their dead name as the name for that email address, and then they sign it a different name, um, their chosen name. I just want to state explicitly that obviously anybody whose name I try. Uh, uh, if you don't specify, I won't say a name. Um, if you do specify, I'll say the name that you specify, uh, especially if you tell me to. Obviously, I will not say the name that's in your email address. But if you're stressed about that and you just don't want me to know your dead name, that's totally, I get it. Curious Cat, you can send anonymous questions and it's just as uh, direct a line to my brain as the email. So... Either one is perfectly good. Um, obviously, email doesn't have a character limit, but the character limit on Curious Cat's pretty dang high. This first one is from Vanessa, and it goes a little something like this. Hi. I know I'm using an email with my dead name, but I'm trying to be more proactive with presenting, so for now, I'm going by Vanessa. So anyways, hi, I'm Vanessa. I'm 22 and have been dealing with the whole deal of realizing I'm trans for about a month now. Congratulations. It kind of hit me when I was listening to a gaming podcast with an interview with a trans gamer at school about a month ago, so I kind of was like, well, shit, maybe I should look into things and see if I really am trans. So I kind of did a whole bunch of research and came across your podcast. After listening to your interview with Carter Manier, I decided that the definitive answer to whether I'm really trans was to buy some clothes and see if I liked them and how I felt wearing them. That's a good choice. So after trying them on, I decided, well, shit, I'm a girl, aren't I? I don't know why I didn't really think this was possible before, because even back when I lived with my parents around 2010, I used to try out my mom's clothes every so often when I was home alone, and I loved how they made me look. So I sort of binged most of your podcast after I came to this conclusion and came out to myself. Uh, Myself, I don't know why I added a T to that word. Still, in parentheses, still need to listen to the most recent five, but I want to say I love everything about your show, and thank you for giving me some confidence that this is fine and helping me to start coming to terms with a lot of issues. Well, you're welcome, Vanessa. And I feel 
overwhelmed with, with people sending me messages saying this podcast helps them. Um, I've worried for a long time that this is kind of a silly thing to do, but it's really affirming to hear people um, get what I hoped that they would get out of it. I also want to say uh, solidarity to the dual issues of not knowing, not understanding why you didn't realize you could be trans much sooner than you did, and also trying on other people's clothes while they were not around. That's, um, yeah, I can relate. So after a lot of deliberation, I came out to my mom and brother about a week ago. They were super cool about it, and I think they're sort of confused on how to handle everything because I'm still questioning a lot myself, but they're here on this journey with me, which is awesome. I'm starting back up with therapy this Monday to deal with everything and see where I want to go with my transition and if I even want to go anywhere. Side note, when I talked to a few different people to get therapy started up, the first person I was talking to said they were super open to the LGBT community on their website, but when I called, they were a Christian counseling service looking to convert people to be normal. I noped the fuck out of there real quick. Good choice. But back on topic, my family, for the most part, is super conservative Republicans to the point where they still defend good old Donald T to this day. So I'm afraid that even though I don't talk with most of my family, that I'll be alienated and it's a whole thing. Basically, that's where I'm at, one foot out of the closet and seeing where I want to go. This is the first time I've publicly came out to anyone besides a friend, my mom, and my brother. So this is kind of sort of a big deal to me, which I'm sure will seem trivial in the long run. So, yeah, it probably will seem trivial in the long run in the sense that um, after you've come out to a few people, it starts to become natural. And eventually, well, I can speak for myself here, where um, at the beginning of this semester, I was terrified to come out to a couple of my professors and just sort of ask them uh, not to use my old name and um, to start using my either my last name or my new name. And I um, felt ridiculous doing that. But now it's at the point where I've started feeling obligated to do so because you get used to it. You get used to it really, really fast. And so it becomes just like a part of what you're used to. The the, the ritual of like socializing is like, I know what it, I know that it says on that piece of paper or on that computer that this is my name, but actually here's who I really am. But I think it's important to recognize that it's not trivial. Um, this this is a big deal, and I'm incredibly honored that you not only like sent me an email and publicly come out to me, but that you're doing this for a podcast where your story is going to be heard by potentially hundreds of people, if not more. I don't know how I don't know how wide my listenership is. I almost said readership. I got to get in on that end joke. Obviously, having conservative family is challenging, especially in the environment in which we live. I believe this. Yeah, this I haven't. Uh, this email is I got this twelve days ago. So you sent this even before the uh, the uh, uh, DHS memo about um, codifying gender. So it's a scary time to have conservative family, and it's a frustrating time to be transgender in the states. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that I think people will surprise you. Most folks are not bigots. Um, most folks don't like disliking people. A lot of the people that you hear or see repeating the sort of anti-trans rhetoric are folks who, to the best of their knowledge, have never met a trans person. All they see in the news is, you know, uh, bathroom bills and like, would you want a grown man in the same bathroom as your daughter? Which is fucking 
that whole debate, I'm sorry to derail here, but it just drives me nuts that that's still a thing that people use as a talking point. It's not like assault in a bathroom isn't illegal. Like that's just, that's not changed. Nobody wants that to change. I just want to go fucking to the bathroom, please. Thanks. But anyway, the point is they see all of this like negative media coverage and they watch movies where trans people are generally the butt of jokes and sort of it's normalized to make us seem disgusting. And they just sort of assume that it's a bunch of weird, you know, fetishists. But a lot of folks will change their tune when they realize that it's a friend or it's a, a, a child. I know it's scary to come out and chances are you'll probably face resistance from some corner. But here's the deal. Here's my experience. You have just as good a chance of getting closer to some members of your family by coming out than before, because you'd be, I just think you'd be surprised the ways that people want to support you and the ways that I think some cisgender people want to be seen as supporting you. And it is, it is scary and um, it's, it's a big deal, but I, usually it's, 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 it, it, it probably won't come out as bad as, as you think. And obviously uh, your mileage may vary and it's up to you to discern the safety of your situation specifically. And the fact that people in your family are the type to defend our wonderful, terrible president is not great. And one should not support a fascist or be a fascist. I hope that goes without saying. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you there. I just wanted to comment on that. And I'm, I, I, I wish you the best of luck in your, your transition and, and this whole process. But anyway, you have more to your email. So I had a few questions for you as well that hopefully you can answer and help me and others who might be hesitant to email or come forth to other people with questions. So here we go. Number one, have you mentioned... Uh, so here we go. Number one, I know you've mentioned this several times, but I have these coming and going feelings where I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not trans. This is just a phase and it's only been a month. And other days where I'm like, yes, I am trans, even though I haven't come out until now, I think I've known for years. I guess my question is, what advice do you have for, for someone like me? Well, the first thing that I would say is that I would imagine most, if not all trans people are someone like you. The idea that there is this 100% certainty of, um, you know, I know that I am trans. At this point, I'm pretty sure it's a fucking myth. It's a, a story that we not even really tell ourselves, but that we tell cis people as a way of um, getting them to give us health care. And also to, uh, this is something that Carter Manier actually uh, uh, talked a little bit about that I've uh, wanted to investigate more the idea that um, that whole narrative, the feminine essence theory is essentially a way to make cis people feel unthreatened, like to, to, to affirm the safety and the solidity of their own gender by putting it in a walled garden and saying, no, 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 no. A transgender person is born transgender and they know that they're transgender from, from beginning and that it's a very specific case 
very specific scenario, as opposed to something that's deeply uh, subjective and something that is different by degrees for everybody. And we all have our own doubts. And I think, I hope eventually we'll come to the point where we we recognize the artificiality of the gender binary. And we sort of look back on this and the idea of there being a distinction between transgender and cisgender might seem kind of silly because we all, if, if you're a person who feels out of sync with your body, you're able to get the healthcare that you need. And that's that there's, there's no need for this sort of like hyper specific declension between all, all of these different genre of genders. Um, so take heart in the fact that everybody has doubts. I have doubts. Uh, I frequently, I mean, you've listened to this podcast, you know how much I doubt myself. I frequently have this feeling like I'm an idiot. What am I doing? You know, I go back and forth about like, I will never lose my fucking facial hair, even though I've had eight goddamn laser hair removal sessions. So it's tough. It's tough, you know, but my advice for you is to just take a breath and recognize that it's just thoughts. You know, we all have weird, intrusive, unwelcome thoughts. I think everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, walking down the street at some point is sort of like looks at another person and, and finds themselves thinking, dang, I could stab that person in the gut right now and no, nobody could stop me. And that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a potential murderer. I guess in terms of the police state, state, we're all potential murderers, except for police, which is paradoxical because of their uh, documented actions. Anyway, sorry for getting off on that little tangent. But the point is, having those thoughts, like doubting yourself doesn't mean you're not trans. It just means you're human. And, you know, it's okay to feel like shit. It's okay to feel dysphoric and sad and like just, you know, lost. I feel that way all the time. Like there's no solution and that, you know, I'm wasting my time, ruining my life, or even, you know, with the political world that we're living in now, the way that things are shaping out, there's a part of me that worries that, you know, this is the worst time to come out. And like, part of me is like, you know, there's still time I could, I could desist and go back to, uh, 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 presenting as, as male and, you know, hide myself, but I don't want to do that because I want to be visible and I want to be a symbol for people to some extent that, you know, trans people exist and that we have very different kinds of trans people in, in this world and that we're all valid and visible and we don't want to disappear and we won't, um, and so there's that. There's my little soapbox. I've, this is this is a, this is. I'm just it's soapboxes all the way down. But yeah, my my advice is to just take a breath and recognize that uh, it's just thoughts, and you're you're not. Uh, uh, you don't have to be 100 percent sure 100 percent of the time, uh, and you don't ever have to be 100 percent sure. The surety doesn't matter. What matters is, do you feel better? when you're presenting as a woman, do you feel better as Vanessa? Like if that's true, that's all that matters. Um, 
All the rest is just marginalia. Okay, second question. Do you have any advice for any online groups, specifically through something like Discord, that would help someone like me who works at night shift and goes to school in the mornings and doesn't have a lot of time to go out and be social to make friends in the trans community? So I don't have any specific advice because I am terrible at... um, at uh, keeping up with online communities. I used to be a big like forum poster. There was a Zelda fanfic slash roleplay forum that I, w- I was a part of back in the day where I spent almost all of my time. Um, but uh, I reached a point after puberty where I just couldn't keep up with that anymore. I don't know. This is It's a problem that I still have where like I can't, I can't keep up with a lot of the things that I used to love. Uh, but, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I have attempted to join a number of like different communities and, and just not kept up with them. Um, and that's my own problem, but I will say that, uh, so you're a student. I assume it sounds like you're a college student. Chances are there's an LGBT group on campus. Um, that's intimidating because, uh, the, the LGBT groups can be weird. There's one on my campus and it's um, had a historical problem with being clicky and kind of mean to trans people and mean to people who don't sort of fall into the standard categories of uh, the, uh, you know, I'm gay or I'm lesbian, that sort of thing. So that kind of sucks. And also, generally, there are fewer trans people and LGBT groups than there are just queer people generally. So that's a thing to keep in mind. But also, it's a resource that you probably have nearby. Um, and my advice there would be to uh, find their information and email them. A lot of times, these groups will have their own dedicated Discord. And so joining that um, uh, they'll probably, you could probably email them and get an invitation, that sort of thing. I would also say, look around on Twitter. There are lots and lots and lots of, uh, trans people on Twitter who are super cool. Uh, if you dig around, you'll be able to find, um, people posting about their own discord. Um, there are, uh, if you're on Mastodon, there are a lot of, uh, very specific, Mastodon instances that are trans specific. Check on Facebook, type in the name of your city and LGBT or transgender. Uh, There's a really cool non-binary trans group that's just for my town. That's um, a mix of uh, 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 general, just like, you know, kind of your typical fare for like Reddit posts where it's, you know, I feel good today or I feel like shit today or this person did this thing to me and I feel sad. And then there's also sort of like community outreach and various things like that. Um, really, it just comes down to you got to search because it probably won't come to you, especially if you're not out uh, publicly. Um, you got to kind of find these things because they won't necessarily invite you. And sometimes these like groups on Facebook are invitation only. That's challenging it's 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 weird but you can you can find something um i don't have a perfect answer for you um but my my suggestion is to try to find something controlled like a discord or mastodon or a facebook group that's like local and relatively small uh i'm sure that there are larger forums there are obviously reddit uh, subreddits that you can go to 
And uh, those are a good place to start. And I know quite a few people who have uh, found larger communities thanks to various uh, subreddits, not even trans-specific ones, but it's worth uh, uh, remembering that these places are giant and public and uh, lots of bastards can get in there. So something small, private, local, moderated uh, is uh, good for the safety and well-being of uh, uh, a recently out trans person. All right, last one, last question. Last one I can think of, what advice do you have for someone who that wants to wear more feminine clothes in public but is super scared of being judged by strangers, friends, and family? Sorry for the super long email. Hope to hear back for you. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to make this. You're welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to email me. And please do not apologize for a super long email. I invited you to do this. So I'm wearing female clothes all of the time, but my female clothes are... Uh, one of my friends described them as gender neutral, which I didn't realize was sort of the thing. And uh, kind of the fact is, it seems like the way that you present in public such that people will gender you correctly is to have longer hair, to do your makeup, and to wear explicitly feminine shoes. Um, so... That's a thing. That's frustrating for me because I am wearing women's clothes all of the time now. And um, to me, I see myself, I'm like, oh, wow, I have a feminine figure now and, you know, whatever. But uh, people still still stir me, which is frustrating. Um, which, uh, no, no, no. No, you know what? I can blame them. Fuck that. Nobody should be using uh, gendered honorifics to strangers in a service in the service industry. But actually, a uh, quick story. Yesterday, I uh, uh, wore my wig and put on kind of <laughs> explicitly like dark uh, uh, eyeliner and um, uh, 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 like really, really dark red lipstick. And I went to class that way uh, because of things, the, the way things are right now politically. I wanted to make myself uh, very explicitly visible to people. It was very nerve wracking and um, uh, stressful, and I came home and sort of decompressed a lot because I was, yeah, no, that is stressful. But the thing is, nothing happened, and I looked pretty good. Um, and I never wore a wig out in public before, and I'm really happy with it. I'm going to try to do that more often now. And, uh, you know, nobody, I got a lot of strange looks from people, but nobody said anything, nobody did anything. Generally, people were just like, oh, okay. I didn't use any women's restrooms. I kind of held it and went home after class. Um, that's a hurdle I have yet to, to cross, but I'm, I'm sure once it happens that people won't make a big deal out of it. But more specifically to your question, um, what I will say is it's helped me to uh, go shopping at ThreadUp online Obviously, their stuff is super cheap and just experiment with different clothes there. Um, they have a great return system. I've bought clothes and it's like, oh, these don't fit because, you know, women's sizes are just nonsensical. So pack them up, send them back, um, trade them in for something else and just sort of recycle until I find things that, uh, uh, that, that fit. So I just have, you know, form-fitting pants. Um, I have lots of tight shirts that I like, um, feminine cut shirts. And, um, I have a lot of like 
flowy uh, blouses and shawls, those types of things, where they start to push the boundaries of presentation where people are like, well, that's a little weird. But generally, I'm pretty sure people just think I'm gay, which is its own barrel of problematic monkeys. But a bunch of Alex Jones monkeys. Oh, Jesus, never mind. But um, people don't clock me as trans uh, when I'm wearing my clothes because I guess it is fairly gender neutral. It's just sort of like form-fitting clothes. and um, So it's actually pretty easy to wear feminine clothes in public but not be noticed even. Um, I would say underwear is a big thing. Um, panties and bra are surprisingly self-affirming. Um, it, it, it's... I have found that they are sort of like a thing that gives me a little extra bit of confidence um, to the point now where when I'm not wearing them, I feel weird. Um, I have I have some of my old boxers that I used to wear, and um, I uh, 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 put them on whenever I mow the lawn, um, and along with like a really baggy shirt that used to be tight on me and like a pair of pants, like the one pair of pants that I saved that uh, I thought still looked okay. And I, uh, when I mow the lawn, uh, just so that I don't mess up any of my clothes. And uh, I always feel weird and like too loose. I don't know. So clothes that can't be seen can be self-affirming. I know people who wear like fishnets and um, even uh, some closer to BDSM gear under their normal clothes. And uh, that's totally fine. That's a good way to do it. Um, obviously, you don't have to go the full like you know, wild leather stuff, uh, underneath everything to, uh, to, to get that effect. Um, I would say one of the things that I do as a, as a nerd is I follow, um, the website, the Yeti, they have a, a shirt, a new, two new shirts every single day, uh, that are just sort of like different references. And I don't like a lot of them, you know, but that's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, you know, one a day. So, or two a day, two new, two new designs. You can only get that day, that day, Jesus, my words. So, um, that I get a lot of shirts from there. Um, cause they're $12. They're the cheapest place to get shirts that I found. And they're really nice. Um, and I've, I've plugged a couple of different services at this point, but, uh, for me, it just comes down to those types of things. I have some dresses and I have a couple skirts that I really like. Uh, I have yet to work up the courage to wear those in public. So to that extent, I don't know what to tell you, but, um, you can wear gender affirming clothes that nobody will clock. Uh, you just got to find them, you know, jeggings are good. Um, leggings, uh, I really like, but, uh, that's going the just leggings route is definitely a, a sort of more clockable move. That's kind of a fucked up thing to say, huh? Whatever. We're, we're in a safe space here. We know what we're saying to each other. Um, yeah, you know, uh, find clothes that are form fitting and that make you feel good and that you like and, uh, work your way up from there, get used to them. And as you start to transition, uh, at that point, you'll find it a lot easier to uh, to 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 present. So that's my advice. I want to thank you again, Vanessa. Uh, I spent way longer on your email than I was expecting. In the future, I think I'm going to have to pare these down a bit more. Um, but I have one more email. Uh, this episode is super long. Holy, holy shit. 
so this is from um, maybe Stephanie, age of 28. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for the podcast. I found it through your response to The Aesthetic, like many others, I'm sure. If you don't know, there's a ContraPoints video called The Aesthetic that I did a response video to uh, that kind of blew up. Uh, listen to the previous episode if you want to hear my sort of recounting of those events. I love the episode discussing its success, especially the part about having an existing body of work. My friends and I started a gaming channel a while back and haven't seen much success, but framing it as laying the groundwork really reaffirmed that these videos have some worth. Um, I'll say as somebody who also started a video game channel with uh, a friend, uh, we did an episode a day every day for well over a year. And uh, I don't think we ever got more than 100 subscribers. I know this is not what you want to hear, and I apologize. But um, gaming channels, they have a lot of saturation. And it's really, really, really hard to break in uh, to, to find an audience with a gaming channel because everybody has their pick. Um, kind of, I, I think at this point, everybody has their favorites and they don't go out of their way to find new content in the gaming world, unless you're doing like video essays. So, uh, my, my advice there, and I know you're not asking for it is to find ways to differentiate yourself. Look at the let's play channels that you like, um, and figure out what nobody does that you wish they did. Like, why does your channel specifically need to exist and start doing that? Um, they, I don't see as many VR-specific Let's Play channels. I know that's probably not something you can do. Um, I don't see... Uh, well, it's hard to say what I don't see, right? But um, yeah, find, find ways to differentiate yourself and do something different that only you can do. Uh, things that are maybe a little bit more one-off and less like improvised. I don't know. I find that scripted content that's uh, more heavily edited tends to find an audience a little bit better, but I don't know. That's my experience. Everybody's experience is different, but it is the case of laying the groundwork. Um, I do believe that if my friend and I hadn't had our falling out and we kept on with the show, it would have eventually found an audience because again, all it takes is that one thing to get big and then they look at your channel and they see oh look at all this stuff you did you've done a video day every day for well over a year you're you reliably upload stuff so that's you know that's the frustration of doing anything on the internet is that you're toiling in absolute obscurity until you're famous um, and hopefully you'll get there but you just don't know anyway I've been listening to the backlog of trans questioning and felt compelled to write to you after hearing you read your journal entry in the One Simple Trick episode. It felt like something I would write about myself, and it felt so good to have someone else express that feeling. I've lived that progression of questioning my sexuality, including thinking I was asexual, demi-gay, bi, or something, and not having any of it fit. I've struggled with my interests not lining up with people's expectations of me. I only realized that what I am may be trans sometime this year, and I'm not sure what that means for me yet. But I wanted to deeply thank you for putting your thoughts and experiences out there for others like me to help work through our own thoughts. I've always felt like part of me was feminine, so I named her a while ago. Maybe it's time to let her take control. Uh, you have an actual question, but I, I want to address this a little bit. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's tough. Congratulations on accepting this thing about yourself and trying to work through it. Um, 
I, I f- I'm interested in the way that you've worded these last two sentences. It always feels like uh, part of me was feminine, so I named her a while ago. Maybe it's time to let her take control. Obviously, I have um, I, I can relate to the sort of depersonalization of uh, who I am versus who I will be. Um, you know, I've talked about how when I hear the name Sarah, I still have this feeling of like, is that really me though? That's starting to go away, thankfully. But uh, um, it's it's still it's tough, you know. But I'll say. The fact that you're thinking about it that way, um, I think, is is a sign that it's that you see her as real, and and you see her in yourself, and that um, the fact that you're not um, like freak, freaked out about it or feeling gross about it, at least in this email, means that you probably find some aspect of her appealing. Um, and so I just want to say, and I know this isn't something that you brought up, but um, becoming Stephanie for you is not a process of replacing the, the, the person who you used to be. Um, if It can certainly feel like that. And that's kind of how I think about it, where I, I remember this person who I used to be as like this sad, sort of broken human, but I still have all of those experiences and I'm still fundamentally the same person. I'm just like a jigsaw puzzle. That's more slightly more put to put together. And I can say that it's less of letting somebody else quote unquote, take control or part of you take control than it is a synthesis of disparate elements of yourself that you never thought could come together. So when you say, you know, maybe it's time to let her take control. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it is. But I would also suggest that maybe it's time to let yourself take control so that you can become her. That to me is more, the more uh, self-affirming language to use there. Um, sorry to police you. Uh, I'm not trying to. And um I don't know. Your your perception of this is obviously valid and everything. That's just my thought. Anyway, to your question. Uh, to start with a fun question to get away from the heavy stuff. Do you play RPGs? And if so, do you have a least favorite or do you have a favorite character you've made? I found that I've also chosen the girl option since Pokemon Crystal in 2001 and always end up a sniper slash archer in games like Skyrim. Wish you the best. Uh, maybe Stephanie, age 28. So if you're not a gamer, an RPG is a role-playing game. Um... Uh, it sounds like you're referring specifically to Western RPGs like Skyrim, um, which even if you were talking about JRPGs, the answer is basically the same. I don't really play a lot of RPGs, um, oddly enough, for somebody who's a storyteller, even like tabletop RPGs. I've never really been able to get into them. Um I'm a solitary person and I have a hard time unless I'm with people that I really, really, really trust. I have a hard time sort of getting into the idea of like role playing. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that I'm tired of role playing because I've been doing it my whole life. (laughs) I played about, what, five hours of Skyrim and I got bored. Um, I know that's kind of that sucks. Um, I don't really like Bethesda's style of RPG. Um, it just, 
it's it's a giant open world that's not really filled with anything and it just doesn't it's just ugly it's ugly to look at i don't know i don't enjoy it um i do play a lot of like rpg adjacent games but they're not the kind that you uh you're, you're thinking of i um one of my favorite games of the last couple of years is prey uh from arcane studios that's a game that I've played through twice and I'm still like every once in a while I'll think about it. And it's one of those and I'm like, gosh, what a good game. And I want to go back and play it. And in that, I always play the female Morgan because why wouldn't I, uh, I play, I always play the female characters in video games. Uh, that hasn't always been the case. I found actually that I don't have the history of like selecting female characters in video games. Um, at least to my knowledge, uh, my memory is weird, but um, I always felt like I wasn't allowed to. And if I did and somebody came over and they saw that I was playing the female character, they'd make fun of me. So there's that. Um, I, I was never very good at escaping, even in the media that I enjoyed. When I play video games, um, I'm less interested in making a character than I am in like finding the heart of the character that it already is written. I'm not a huge fan of like the silent protagonist and I'm more interested in, you know, more characterized uh, uh, characters. It's like Morgan Yu in uh, Prey isn't particularly characterized, but she's got there's there's some stuff there. Um, but but more like um, oh, what's what's something that I've been playing a lot of recently? Um, I just started actually Yakuza Six, and uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, I played you know basically until the end of the tutorial, um, and uh, I haven't played any other Yakuza game. But uh, 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 that's that you know, Kiryu is a character who has a history, and he's very specifically characterized, and um, that's more what I like, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know that's probably a disappointing, um, a disappointing answer. I will say I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Sun <clears throat> lately, and um, my favorite. Pokemon, obviously, is Sylveon. I actually was petting Sylveon in uh, 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 Pokemon Refresh and uh, started crying because she looked so happy. So I really want a plush of, of Sylveon, like, for real. Uh, I'm not a plush person, but if I had Sylveon, I would fucking be happy because Sylveon's rad. And I know it's really stereotypical of me. <laughs> Sylveon is the transgender Pokemon, but I love her so much. And she's also a fucking tank. She kisses people and they die. I love it. All right. I think that's all that I have to say about all of about video games. I'm throwing out my voice here. Uh, so I just want to say thank you as always for listening to this podcast. Um, as always, if you have questions, thoughts, stories, whatever, you can go to curious uh, uh, curiouscat.me slash hmsnofun to send an anonymous message or uh, send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at hmsnofun or on the, the podcast Twitter at uh, transqpodcast. Uh, there's also a Mastodon handle that's somewhere. I believe that's also just HMS No Fun, uh, mastodon.social at, at HMS No Fun, something like that. You can also go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash LTAS to support me for as little as a dollar a month and helping me make these things. Uh, I have been really, it feels kind of self-aggrandizing to read all these emails that are like, thank you so much for your podcast. It really is good that I listen to it. But, um, y- you know, it's... It, 
I, I as a as a creator need to start accepting that people find value in my work and that uh, I'm not wasting my time. And you know, joking about like ah, it's just some stupid podcast isn't really helping how I feel about it because it's it's still sort of buying into the idea that it's not valid. And um, I really, I, I really appreciate people sending me messages and saying how much the podcast helps them. So if, if you're out there and you're thinking about, you know, sending an email or, 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 or a curious cat and uh, think like, ah, I'm just going to waste your time by telling you whatever. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. Please send me that message. Uh, I, even if I don't read it uh, on the show, um, until such a point as I just become inundated with questions, um, I'll, I'll get back to you eventually. Uh, even if it's with just a basic, like, Hey, thanks for the email. I'm glad it helped. Uh, I'm glad the show helped. Um, but it, if if there's an artist that you like, tell them you like their work. That's never going to be an unwelcome sentiment, uh, uh, barring a few, a handful of like really creepy scenarios, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to accept that I, my work has value. And, uh, I, you know, if you're, if, if you really, uh, find some sort of value in my work and it's helped you, uh, maybe consider, uh, uh, giving me some money over at Patreon. I also have a, a, a coffee account, Ko-Fi. I don't know how that's pronounced. I think that's just, let's see. What is, what is me? Uh, Kofi, blah, blah, blah. K-O dash, uh, let's see. There it is. Uh, K-O dash F-I dot com slash Sarah Z, Sarah with an H. Um, Yeah, you can give me just like a one-time donation over there as well. Link in the description, I suppose. Um, Help me make this stuff more frequently and better. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm about to graduate and I've got the specter of a job, uh, a job hunt, um, in my future and just, you know, the rest of my goddamn life, uh, outside of the context of school. So, um, any support at all, even if it's just a dollar, uh, helps my ego and my ability to eat food and pay bills. Um, Anyway, uh, 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 the music that you've heard is by Insane in the Rain. Um, the cover art is by Emily Bumgarner. I thank you so much for your support and your time. And um, stay safe. Have an escape plan <laughs> in case things go south here in the States. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Hey!